It is good to be here. It is great to see you in God's house this morning. My name is Derek, and uh, we're at the very beginning of a brand new series we call Overcomers. Overcomers, and I'm really excited about this because did you know that God sees you as an overcomer? And, and that's not just wishful thinking on our part. That's not, you know, something that we just say to kind of pump each other up, you know? Hey, overcomer, who looks like an overcomer today? No, we're overcomers because we're in Christ. And because Jesus overcame, we overcame. Take a look at this verse. Jesus said in, in Matthew, uh, in, excuse me, in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. You're going to have adversity. You're going to have bad days. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And because he did, yeah, you give some praise. Come on. You know, Paul said it this way, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this word overcomer. We're going to be looking at this, really this identity word for us and how we can operate in that identity as an overcomer in three specific areas. We're going to look at forgiveness, we're going to look at faith, and we're going to look at prayer. Next Sunday, I hope you come back. We're going to be dealing with faiths more and talking about how we wait on God and how we get strength when we trust in him for today and hope for tomorrow. So I hope you'll come back uh, next week. Today, I want to talk about probably one of the hardest things that we have to do in this life or that we have to face or that we have to deal with, and that is the area of forgiveness. You know, C.S. Lewis said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have something to forgive, right? Isn't that true? And I believe this, if we're going to be overcomers, if we're truly going to embrace that as our identity, we also have to embrace forgiveness. You know, my theme verse for this morning is uh, a phrase that Jesus said from the cross. He said this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you would speak through your servant. Help us to hear, God. Give us ears to hear, but not only in our heads, but Lord, help us to hear in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, just curious, how many of you have seen the movie uh, Unbroken? Unbroken came out a few years back. Several of us, okay, Angelina Jolie directed it. Um, powerful, powerful movie. I highly recommend that you see this movie. And whether you have or haven't, uh, there's a book out for it as well that's just as powerful, probably even more so. But I want to tell you about this man named Louis Zamperini. It's a true story. And what God did in and through this man's life, and the things that Louis had been through, the adversity that this man went through, and it, to the point where his life began to crumble and just completely fall apart, he was overwhelmed. And how God took him from that place to the place of being an overcomer. This morning. And so let me do this. Let me fill you in with a little backstory on Louis Zamperini. 1941 was the year. It was during World War II. And Louis had enrolled in the U.S. Army Air Corps. He became a master bombardier on the B 24 bomber. But on May 27, 1943, his B 24 bomber crashed into the South Pacific Ocean. And there were really only three survivors out of 11. Eventually, that came down to two. They had crashed 850 miles offshore from the island of Oahu, and they made it in just a little tiny life raft 
the army was searching for him but could not find them, and so they wrote him off as all dead. And Louis and his pilot friend survived on this little tiny life raft, get this, for a total of 47 days on the open sea. No supplies, no water, no food, nothing. They weathered in nasty tropical storms. There were several shark attacks. There was even a time where a a Japanese fighter came swooping down and found them and sprayed them with bullets for over 30 minutes. And yet they survived. It was a miracle of survival over and over and over. Eventually they drifted over 2,000 miles and they were eventually picked up by the Japanese Navy and sent to a POW camp. When Louis got it to camp, he weighed in at just 65 pounds. He had lost over 100 pounds of body weight. He was just skin and bones. Life at camp was cruel. It was harsh as you would expect it to be. But his real troubles began when he was transferred to another POW camp where he met this man by the name of The Bird. It's actually, it was his nickname. His real name was Mutsuhiro Watanabe. He was a ruthless man. He was mean. He was considered to be evil. And he was in charge of this POW camp that Louis was now at. He had a particular interest in Louis, and he took out his torturous activities on Louis. He hated successful people, and Louis had been an Olympic runner. And so he targeted Louis, especially with torture. And there wasn't one day that went by that Louis wasn't somehow abused physically, mentally, or emotionally. For the next two years, life for Louis was unimaginable. He was abused, he was beaten daily, he was mistreated, he was starved, he was exposed. There was, it was just, you couldn't imagine all the things that this man had been through. In fact, over 40% of the POWs at the camp that he was at died before the war ended. And I can't even mention some of the things that I read about, but one day, one day, the, the war finally came to an end. And Louis found himself to be a free man. At last, he was free of all of that. And he went home as a war hero, a survivor in so many different ways. He was in all the headlines. The headlines were all Louis. He would go on speaking tours. Everywhere he went, he was celebrated. But that was all on the exterior of Louis' life. On the inside, Louis was crumbling. He was falling apart. He was imploding. He was struggling with his, his past. Every night, he would have nightmares. In fact, he said that there wasn't one night that would go by that he did not have a nightmare. He just closed his eyes, and he saw the bird all over again, torturing him as if the war had never ended. So Louis turned to alcohol, and he dove deep into that. And he couldn't get free from his past, so he just turned to something to numb the pain. Have you ever been there? Maybe something or someone hurts you so deeply that you just had to turn to anything that you could to try to forget or numb that pain. Maybe you sank deeper into your work. Maybe you tried to turn to alcohol or drugs, but it didn't work. And you found you could not shake your past. That is exactly where Louis was at this time in his life. He couldn't get rid of it, and it was consuming him, and he was becoming more angry and more resentful Every day. One night, he dreamt of killing the bird. 
he actually began to fantasize about killing this guy because maybe that's the only way that I can be free of this torment is to take care of the one guy who delivered all these wounds to me. If I could just go and find him and knock him off, I would be free. And Louis began to really plot a murder. One night he was actually having a dream of killing the bird and he was strangling him and he woke up to his wife screaming and he found that it was his hands around her neck and he realized he was in deep trouble. He needed some serious, serious help. No longer a prisoner of war. Now Louis had become a prisoner of his past. About the same time, Billy Graham was just beginning his his public ministry and and he, he, he was beginning one of his very first crusades that he ever had. And it was actually near Louis's house. And Louis was invited to go. And so he, he, he actually reluctantly goes to the Billy Graham crusade. He's like, I don't know who this guy is, but I'll, I'll go and I'll give it a try. He, 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 would, he left early. But, you know, something came to him and said, you need to go back. And he went the second night. And he went back the third night. And folks, on the third night, when Billy Graham said... If you need to come forward and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come down here and I want you to receive the forgiveness of God over your life. He stood up and he walked down that aisle and he received Jesus Christ. And he received that forgiveness. And it washed over him from head to toe. And you know what happened to Louis? It changed him. He changed from the inside out. Here's what happened. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And let me tell you, Louis had become a new man. All of a sudden, Louis did not want to hate anymore. All of a sudden, Louis did not think about revenge anymore. All of a sudden, love replaced that hatred. Joy replaced the depression he was experiencing. All of a sudden, those nightmares ended. In fact, he's, he's on record to say he never had one more nightmare since the day that he gave his life to Jesus Christ. That's the power of God, folks. Amen? Amen. That is our God. And Louis, for the first time in his life, felt like he could breathe. For the first time in Louis' life, he felt like he was alive. For the first time in Louis' life, he felt like he was free. John 8, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And I don't know, maybe this morning, you know, you can't relate to a POW camp, but there's another prison that you're familiar with, like Louis. It's the prison of your past. And you're not sure what you can do about it. You're not sure how you can get over it. Maybe you've tried, but you haven't been as successful at it as you want. And in that prison are many different cells, some of which are called your past failures, your past wounds, your past shame, your past hurts, your past, even disappointments, and you wonder, can I ever be free? Will I ever be free from this? Can I tell you something? I believe this. If Louis were standing up on the stage this morning, he would say, yes, friend, you can. Absolutely. Because if the son can set me free, let me tell you something, he can set you free. That's our God. The son will set you free. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, before that, Louis thought freedom can only come through revenge. The only way I can really be free from the past is to take care of the one who dealt me the wounds in the past. But he found something very opposite. That freedom, that only made him more miserable. 
and spun his life out of control, but he found freedom. True freedom came through the vehicle and the doorway of forgiveness. And for the first time, Louis embraced that. And for the first time, Louis felt alive. You know, Jesus said, look, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it in abundance. Jesus said these words from the cross. It is finished. It is finished. The work that I have come to do has been finalized. It is complete. The sins for all of eternity, for all mankind, has been covered now and forevermore through my blood. And you know that phrase, it is finished, is powerful. But in the New Testament language that the New Testament was written in, in the original Greek language, that is actually one word, and that one word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. And that's a phrase that was used to say, yes, it is finished, but it also was a a legal term of the day for business transactions and receipts as being paid in full. And what a thought this morning that that, 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 that it is finished. There's nothing more that you and I can do to add to what the work of Jesus Christ on that cross. That work is complete for our sins and it's complete because he paid it in full. He paid it all. Like we sang this morning, he paid it all, it is done, it is finished, it is complete. And the moment that Jesus died, friend, the moment, that moment, your freedom account was fully funded. At that moment, your life has been renewed. At that moment, the abundant life that Jesus said, I've come to give you, was fully funded. And you know that, that monthly statement that the enemy tries to sl- send you every month that has a, a, a balance due on it? You know what I'm talking about? Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Because heaven's records show that your balance, if you're in Christ, is zero. It's a zero balance. And that balance was paid for in full the day that Jesus hung on the cross. Like we saying, Jesus paid it all. He's forgiven you of all. I want to talk to somebody here this morning that maybe needs to hear that. You need to know that Jesus has forgiven you. Say, somebody say forgiven. forgiven. Say all. all. He's forgiven all. And I want to let you know that whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's been covered by the cross of Jesus Christ. We have a God who forgives every sin we've ever committed or ever will commit. We have a God who heals our wounds. We have a God who will release you from the prison of your past and from your enemy's camp. That's the kind of God that we serve today. Ephesians 1.7 in the New Living Translation says this, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with his blood of his son and forgave us our sins. I'm so glad that Jesus forgave all of my sins. And I'm so thankful this morning. I hope you feel that same gratitude. But can I take that just a step further this morning? One step further Are you just as glad, am I just as thankful that his blood covers the sin of that person who offended me, that person who has hurt me? Are you just as glad about that? See, there's another thing Jesus said from the cross. I said at the beginning, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. See, we cannot get around this fact friends, this morning, that the core message of the gospel is really forgiveness. If you slice the gospel anywhere, it bleeds forgiveness. 
God's grace, his mercy, his love, his compassion, his goodness, all those things that we celebrate get expressed through his forgiveness. Well, Pastor Derek, what are you, what are you really trying to say? I'm trying to say this. Since we've been forgiven, we need to be forgivers. Since we've been forgiven, we need to be forgivers. Paul said this in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, forgiveness is not something that we just get, but we get to give. In fact, Jesus tells a powerful story in the Gospel of Matthew, and I want to read it to you this morning. I want to read the whole thing. It's a little long, but, but I can't say it any better than Jesus. And so this morning, uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, starting in verse 23. Let me read the story to you. Jesus said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. He began to settle. One was, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Some translations say 10,000 bags of gold. It was a lot. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. How many are glad that your credit card company won't do that? <laughs> so the servant fell down to his knees and he implored him, have mercy, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for the man, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, some translations say a hundred uh, silver coins, one denarii was worth one day's wage. Okay, just to give us some, some context. Seizing him, he began to choke him and say, pay what you owe me. But he refused. I'm sorry. He said, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and he went out and he put him into prison until he should pay all of his debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him to him and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all of your debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. And that's, that's, a, that's a story that you say, whoa, Jesus, what are, you, what are you trying to say? Well, Jesus ends it really with the kicker here. Listen to this. Jesus says, so also my heavenly Father will do to you, to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? I mean, I read that and I go, oh, ouch, Jesus, what are you trying to, you know what Jesus is saying here? I'm not playing games, folks. This is not a game. And one thing that he's saying is that if we've received the vertical forgiveness of God, how can we block it horizontally? If God's poured into your life this way, how can you not let it flow out this way? It's kind of like this fountain. Here, you take a look at this and say, okay, there's a, there's a fountain coming down and filling up this bowl. That's like God's love and God's forgiveness and his mercy and his, his tenderhearted uh, kindness in our lives. And he's filled up our lives to even to the point where they're overflowing. And that should be the outpour of our lives. It's, over, it's spilling out of our lives and it fills up another person and it fills them up to overflowing. And they spill into another one and they spill into another one and they spill into another one. You've heard of paying it forward? This could be forgiving it forward. 
What if we were people who forgave it forward? What if that ripple affected into our lives, uh, all of our relationships, our spouses and our families and our homes and our, our church and our community? What if we started a forgiveness revolution? Forgiving it forward. You know, Louis went back in 1952 to Japan, the place he absolutely hated, the place he would never want to go back again unless it was to murder the bird. But he went back and he was invited to speak at the Sugamo prison, which was a place where they had 850 war criminals. And Louis began to share with them. What did he say? What would he say? He told them about the love of God. He told them about Jesus' forgiveness. He told them about how it had changed his life and he believed it could change their life. And you know what happened in that atmosphere of forgiveness? 450, over 450 war criminals gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Just because one man showed up in a spirit of forgiveness and he paid it forward by forgiving it forward. Wow. And I think of what could God do in us as we forgive it forward? You know, Louis said, if, you, if you're here this morning and you know me, would you stand to your feet and would you come down to the front? I want to meet you. Now, can you imagine if you were one of those guys? You'd be like, uh-uh, <laughs> I'm not going down there. He's probably got a knife or something, you know. He's going to get me. They stood up. They came down and they came forward. And Louis embraced them. And he said, man, God loves you, and so do I. Brother, God loves you, so do I. He hugged them. I love you, man. And God loves you. And if he does, I do. One man showing up in a spirit of forgiveness. Think about the ripple effect of that one overcomer. One day, 450 people. What could this room do? Upstairs, downstairs, in a lifetime as I'm looking at overcomers all over this place this morning. Could we forgive it forward? Do you want to love like Jesus? You never look more like Jesus than when you forgive. We never look more like Jesus than when we forgive. You may not remember this date, March 2nd, 2006, but it was a date that you'll remember the headline, I'm sure. A man pulled up in a pickup truck in a small town in Pennsylvania in Lancaster County, and he took 10 Amish girls. You remember this story? And he shot them all. And then he turned the gun on himself. You know, as a father of four beautiful daughters, I cannot, I cannot imagine that. I can't imagine that kind of pain. I can't imagine that kind of woundedness. Listen to what the community did. This Amish community. Right in the middle of their pain, they chose to forgive. One of the Grandfather said, we must not think evil of this man. Another said, he is a mother and a wife and a soul. One Amish man held the father of, a gun, of the gunman, the father's gunman, and he comforted him for over an hour. The Amish community set up a charitable fund for the gunman's family. You know what the wife did of the gunman? She wrote back to the Amish community, and here's her words. She said, your love, your forgiveness for our family has helped provide the healing we so desperately needed. Gifts you've given 
have touched our hearts in ways words can never describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and listen to this, and it's changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. Wow. Friends, reconciliation is God's heart. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.18 that Christ reconciled himself to us and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what the Amish community did. That's what a church in North Carolina, a few years ago, you may remember there was a shooting and that community also forgave that shooter immediately in an atmosphere of forgiveness. That's what Louis did at the Sugamo prison. But you know, there was one person not there that day and it was the bird. And Louis was shocked to see him not there. And the bird had actually gone into hiding. And later after the war was over, he came out and Louis found out he was alive. And he reached out to the bird and he says, hey, I would like to meet with you as well. The bird refused. He did not want to see Louis. Louis was trying. He was trying to pull up a chair to the table. Louis was trying to sit in the forgiveness chair at the table of reconciliation. But nobody showed up in this chair. See, there's always two chairs at this table. There's the chair of forgiveness, and there's the chair of repentance, being sorry for what you've done and how you've caused hurt and pain. And Louis wanted to forgive him. But you know, it's not always possible to reconcile. Sometimes that person's deceased. Sometimes they're not sorry for what they've done Sometimes that communication is broken down. Sometimes it's not safe. But oh, how sweet it is, church, when we can come to the table of reconciliation. Spouses, friends, mom, dad, coworker. You know, some, sometimes we say, I'm not forgiving until they come to the table. You know what happens when we do that? Resentment builds. We hang on to it. It just festers. It gets worse. You know, that's what happened in Louis' life. That's why his life spun out of control. I like what Carrie Fisher said. Carrie Fisher was the one that played uh, Princess Leia in Star Wars. Somehow I can always bring things right back around to Star Wars. I don't know why. I don't know how I do that. I'm a Star Wars fan. But she said some funny and witty things. One of the things that she said was this. Resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I'll show them. When we don't forgive, we construct a prison of bitterness in our lives, and we trap ourselves in it. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you how powerful the blood of Jesus is this morning? It's so powerful that it covers all of your sins and all of your mess. It also covers all of the sins and all the mess of your offender and the person that hurts you to the point where I don't need to go out for collections anymore. There's no reason for me to stick my hand out and collect because Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. Hallelujah. And, you know, if they don't show up, you can still come. You can still sit here in the chair of repentance. I mean, in the chair of forgiveness. And you know what Louis did? is he took a piece of paper and he penned out a letter to the bird. And I want to read you that letter this morning. Here's what he said. To Mutsuhiro Watanabe, 
As a result of my prisoner of war experience under your unwarranted and unreasonable punishment, my post-war life became a nightmare. It was not so much due to the pain and suffering as it was the tension of stress and humiliation that caused me to hate with a vengeance. Under your discipline, my rights, not only as a prisoner of war, but also as a human being, were stripped from me. It was a struggle to maintain even enough dignity and hope to live until the war's end. The post-war nightmares caused my life to crumble, but thanks to a confrontation with God through the evangelist Billy Graham, I committed my life to Christ. Love has replaced the hate I had for you. Christ said, forgive your enemies and pray for them. As you probably know, I returned back to Japan in 1952 and I was graciously allowed to address all of the Japanese war criminals at Sugumo Prison. I asked then about you, but I was told that you probably had committed Harry Carey, which I was very sad to hear. At that moment, like others, I also forgave you. And now, I would hope that you would also become a Christian. Louis Zamperini. How could Louis get there? How could Louis do that when he had been hurt so deeply? Maybe you're wondering that this morning. How could I forgive them with what they did to me? Jesus prays a prayer from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He said in Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. In the New Living Translation, it says, pray for those who hurt you. And maybe that's a starting point for us this morning. If we're, if we're just kind of not sure how we can approach this subject, or we've tried to forgive, but you just don't feel like you're all the way there yet, maybe we need to begin with something like praying. And just pray for those who have hurt us. Pray for those who have hurt us. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of prayer where you say, God, would you just strike them with lightning right now? Thank you. God, would you just, you know, give them the gift of hemorrhoids in Jesus' name? Why did I say that? Sorry. Sometimes you shouldn't say everything that comes into your head, huh? Maybe you're laughing because you've said, you prayed. Uh, all right, I don't know. But have you prayed for your enemy? Maybe you need to start with this prayer. God, would you help me to pray for my enemy? Would you help me to begin to want to pray for my enemy, God? Start with that. Do you pray for your enemy? Did someone hurt you? Pray for them. Did someone mistreat you? Pray for them. Did someone lie to you or rob you of something that was important to you? Pray for them. Did someone annoy you? Pray for them. It begins to change them, but prayer also changes us. Amen? And as we come toward a close this morning, I want you to watch a scene from the movie Unbroken. And in this scene, it's almost two years that has gone by, and the war is almost over. But Louis doesn't know that. And remember, it's been daily torture, daily beatings, one thing after the other. There's one time where the bird ordered every enlisted man to hit Louis in the face for no reason. And they all lined up. And if you didn't hit with all your strength and all your might, the bird would club you in the face till you were black and blue. And Louis was hit over 200 times. And in this scene, he's told Louis to hold up a wooden, heavy wooden beam. 
And Louis is exhausted and he is weak. And if you drop that beam, you will be shot. He's held at gunpoint by a gunman in this. Take a look at the scene. It's a powerful example of an overcomer and all that Louis went through. But this morning, I want to end by reminding us about Jesus Christ the ultimate overcomer. He said this, he said, I have overcome the world. And Jesus took a a wooden beam, a cross, up a hill one day to a place called Calvary. And he endured unthinkable torture and he was nailed to that cross. In fact, God's word says in Isaiah 52, 14 that it was so bad that his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. And it was at that time, it was while the nails were in his body, it was while his back was ripped up from the scourging, it was while he was gasping for air. In the middle of that, in the middle of that mistreatment and injustice, what do we find in Jesus' heart? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what they're doing. Let's pray. This morning, before I pray, I I just want to, with everyone bowing your heads and closing your eyes, maybe you're here this morning and you haven't experienced yet the forgiveness of God, which I talked about today. You have not maybe experienced that freedom of knowing that your sins have been fully forgiven. You haven't come to a place. He's pulled up a chair to the table, the forgiveness chair. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. He's waiting at the table. Will you come? If you have not come yet to that table, 
If you've not yet given your life over to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all because you paid it all. This morning, I want to give you that chance. Nobody's looking around. If for the first time, like Louis, you want to say, yes, that's me. I'll do it. I want to, I want to experience God's forgiveness in my life. I'm ready. Would you just raise your hand? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. I see it. I see it. Thank you. Praise God. Just pray this prayer with me if you raise your hand just now. Jesus, I thank you for going to a cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for paying it all. There's nothing I can do to add to it. It is finished. Paid in full. This morning I receive your forgiveness over my life. Thank you for washing me clean. Make me new. I come to the table this morning. And I want to serve you all the days of my life. If you just prayed that prayer, I would love to talk to you after this service. We have a Bible. We have resources for you. Praise God. Welcome to the family. If I was talking to somebody else this morning and a person popped into your head and, and you're trying to get over the past, you're trying to get over what, has been, what was done to you and the hurt, the pain that was caused in your life. Maybe today's the day that you can give that person and that hurt and that pain to Jesus. Say, God, you got this. I'm going to give that person to you. I'm going to forgive from my heart. It's not a process for me anymore. Today, I'm going to let it go. Lord, I pray for my brother my sister this morning. Lord, that pain can go so deep. I don't want to undermine that at all this morning or minimize it. But God, I thank you that your blood is so strong that it can overcome the greatest pain of the past. Greatest level of woundedness. Thank you for paying it all for our offender and for the one who hurt us. You already collected the payment. So Jesus, we forgive him. We forgive him today. Let us lay it down. And let us celebrate your goodness, God. You filled us up, so let it pour out of us. Let it pour out of our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen.